summer day, waning, the waning days of summer and preparing for the school year and getting wound up, geared up for the next stage of life. Um, <clears throat> today I want to talk about um, this admonition that we often hear when we're faced with misfortune or tragedy, crisis, and I've heard this uh, all my life from my parents when things weren't going well or I was faced with some real difficulty. And they would always say, be strong, be strong. And in fact, often people think of me as a strong woman. I don't, I feel like a marshmallow inside, but, but I think I responded to <clears throat> this uh, admonition most of my life is to uh, pull yourself together and be, meet the situation with power and strength. And we hear this today, uh, particularly now in El, pa- El Paso and <clears throat> um, Dayton, Ohio, and in many of the other communities which have been struck by uh, mass shootings. And the posters are all saying, El Paso strong and Dayton strong and Gilroy strong and wherever uh, tragedy or misfortune strikes. And there was something in me that reacted to that. Um, It seemed like an appropriate thing to, an appropriate response to to meet difficulties and tragedies with a certain kind of strength. But in our practice, and if you look at the Buddha, um, there is strength there, but it's not the kind of strength which is kind of tense and rigid and yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to power through this, and I'm going, you know, to sort of not allow this to affect me. I'm just going to push through um, and and use my my power to do that. Well, that isn't. There's a there's a kind of softness to the Buddhist Buddha's posture. Um, there's a the there is an upright spine and a certain presence, but there's also a softness and a suppleness to everything about the Buddha is soft. Everything is kind of released. And this is the posture in which which we meet all experiences. Um, So perhaps I wonder what it would feel like for us to say, meet life, be soft. 
Be subtle. Supple. Be soft. Be flexible. Be open. It's a quite a different kind of presence and meeting circumstances, difficult circumstances, uh, real deep misfortunes. Um, And the tendency is to protect against those and to develop a kind of armor that doesn't allow the pain, the difficulty to penetrate you. One of the issues, I mean, and certainly that can work, that is, you you develop a kind of strong armor of protection and nothing, nothing, nothing bothers you. No, I'm not, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to push through that. But the problem with that kind of armor is that it does protect you from you might say the assault of circumstance, but it also imprisons you. It also makes it impossible for you to reach out and to express yourself, to express your care, your concern, your love. So this idea of um, being strong, of kind of puffing yourself up and, and not allowing the pain of life to affect you is not, is not for us as Buddhists um, as helpful a response because it doesn't allow us to see clearly or to learn anything from the experiences that we're having. So often we say when, we ha- when we're experiencing pain, instead of shutting down on it, instead of pushing it away, we say we kind of lean into it. We open to it so that we can see it clearly, so that we can have a creative response to it instead of just the response of denial and just this power, this power push of not opening to what the teaching might be. So one of the first things that you notice when people are experiencing crisis or deep misfortune is that they reach out to someone. For example, in El Paso, you see people coming together in community. Whereas this sense of being a strong person is a form of isolation. I'm just I'm gonna deal with this myself. I'm gonna I'm powerful, I can I don't need anybody. Uh, I'm going to assimilate this situation, and I'll I'll know how to how to cope with it. But when you can soften in the face of tragedy or misfortune, and 
be more subtle, su- supple. You can act. What happens is you want to reach out to someone, to some group for comfort. The last thing we really deeply want to feel is being isolated, being um, being alone with something, being alone with pain. And so when we when we open and soften, we can reach out to connect. And of course, in Buddhist practice, our fundamental belief is that we are all interconnected. And so it seems perfectly natural when you are faced with difficulty to ask for help, to to reach out to others. So the admonition perhaps is not just be soft instead of be strong, but also get connected, get connected. As we see this um, in people who are facing difficulties, we have support groups, or we have communities, we reach out to family, uh, even to our pets, you know, we we want to have that sense of connectedness. And I remember reading something in the diary of Anne Frank, who, as you know, uh, was trapped in an attic during the Holocaust, and she, um, she wrote diaries uh, uh, um, documenting her experience there. And she, and she wrote one of the most profound things that you can do when you're in pain is to go out into the natural world to find solace in nature. It almost always is a healing connection because there we feel the community of life. We feel our connectedness with all of life and it's very comforting. So Instead of closing down and armoring and being strong, we open. And, and this takes a certain courage to be vulnerable, to say, I need help, to, to reach out to others. I like to use the story of um, the three little pigs, you know that story of the big bad wolf and the three pigs. (laughs) And um, the first pig builds his house because the big bad wolf is coming. And of course the big bad wolf is any kind of threat, any danger, any crisis, anything that we don't want to experience that that causes us distress and so the big bad wolf is coming and of course it's always there the big bad wolf is always just around the corner and so the first pig builds his house out of straw to protect protect you know some sort of armor and some of our some of our armors against distress are sort of flimsy, like 
like the straw. We don't have a very strong protective shield. And the second little pig builds his house out of twigs, which is a little bit stronger, and some of us have the capacity to armor ourselves a little, a little more uh, uh, with a, a greater resilience. And of course, the third pig builds his house out of bricks, which is really, really powerful. And so, of course, the pig, the wolf comes along, as this always does, and blows the first house down and eats the little pig. And he blows the second house down because um, it's not terribly strong resistance. And he really has a hard time with the bricks, with the house of bricks. But he finds a way he goes down the chimney and of course the the third pig has a pot of boiling water at the bottom and so my question is um, what would it be like if we didn't build any protective house around us and didn't have to always try to figure out how to defeat this big bad wolf. Because a lot of our life, our lives can be taken up with continuing to figure out how to keep that pig, how to keep that wolf at bay. And many of us spend a good part of our lives trying to defend against the big bad wolf. But what if we didn't feel the need to build a house around us that we can't we could just walk this earth unguarded we'd have a lot more options than those three little pigs we could wander away or we could meet the pig and dance with the pig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could do all sorts of things instead of being trapped in our in the house that we've built. But that truly is scary. And our practice, one of I keep going back to the fact that Buddha repeatedly talks about the one emotion that is critical to the bodhisattva to to the to the enlightened being and that is fearlessness we see this again and again particularly in the heart sutra that we cultivate fearlessness that we can walk this earth unarmored unguarded why because we're connected with all things because there really is no big bad wolf this is this is something we have created by creating a duality between us and that all the others all the other stuff that could could attack us so isn't there a um, a um, passage in the Bible about the 
the is it the wolf lying down with the lamb or something like lion, that? Lion and the lamb. Pardon? The lion. The lion lying down with the lamb. And this is this is our practice that there that these these are everything is connected that there is no real danger out there that comes to attack us. So this takes a kind of courage to be open to pain, to be open to the difficulties that we face in life, and to face those with fearlessness. This doesn't mean, this isn't recklessness. Fearlessness, courage, involves a recognition of fear. It's not recklessly diving into situations that will make us suffer or other people suffer. But it is a sense that this is something I need to deal with and it's, I want to armor myself against it, but instead I'm going to open to it. So it's a much more, fearlessness is not just uh, uh, the denial of fear. It's the ability to act in the face of fear. To act in the face of fear. And to not allow fear to um, disable us. There's another, uh, this kind of courage or kind of soft way of addressing life is, um, is reflected in another Zen story of a, a town that was being invaded by samurai. And it's really warriors uh, who, who invaded the town and raped the women and pillaged the, the homes and destroyed the crops and uh, just completely ran over, set fire to huts, and uh, completely uh, demolished everything in the town, and and chased all the people who were in the town, either killed them, raped them, mm-hmm. or uh, 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 chased them away. And this, the leader of the samurais, <clears throat> uh, noticed that there was a little hut at the edge of the town, and he kind of stomped over there and um, in this little hut was a monk and he was meditating amidst all this turmoil and, and tragedy and fires and rapes and killings and he was just sitting there meditating and the sam- this huge samurai um, pulled out his sword and, and said, what, what do you think you're doing? And the monk said, I'm sitting peacefully and meditating. And the samurai held up his sword and he said, do you know that you're sitting in front of a man who could take this sword and stab you through your heart without blinking an eye? And the monk looked up and he said, do you know that you're standing in front of a man who can be stabbed through the heart without blinking an eye. 
that's a kind of courage, a kind of openness. That's pretty dramatic. I'm not sure that we would go to those lengths to express our courage, but it's it's a it's a symbol of the differences, the difference in the kind of strength that I'm trying to help us consider. The strength of this kind of power, which is aggressive and adversarial, and is almost kind of mindless, blind power, and the kind of strength that comes from a an availability to be with what presents itself and to engage with it in a reflective and compassionate way. So Another way of expressing this comes from uh, Alan Watts, who I'm very fond of. Um, And he talks about the fact that life life is an ever-flowing river. And we are being carried we're, we're on, we're on, we can be either in a rowboat or we can be in a sailboat on this, on this river, on this moving body of water. We can, if we wish, and we have this choice, we can row against the flow. We can insist on doing things our way and powering through things driven by our egos most of the time because I'm gonna I'm gonna overcome this I'm you know these these um, military metaphors that we use we're going the battle against cancer the war against drugs we're gonna fight this (laughs) you know we're we're going to we're gonna row in the direction that we want to, that our ego is taking us, and we're going to succeed. So, despite the fact that we're rowing this way, the river is still carrying us <laughs> in, in its own direction. But if we, if, we, if we live as if we are in a sailboat, and we are allowing the, the, the flow of the wind and the flow of the water to carry us along. We can, we can navigate, you know, we can, I don't know what they call it when you're sailing and... and, and um, tacking. Tacking, yes. You can tack. You can tack along and do some, some navigation in the direction. But... You're, you're going with the, the, the flow, as we say, go with the flow. And not only does that sort of relieve you of all the strain and sometimes useless effort 
of going against the flow, not only does it relieve you of that strain, but you also get the, the benefit of the strength of the flow. So it, like, it kind of carries you along. And so this is a, this is a very um, strong, stable, and yet flexible way to live, to be a good host, to, to allow yourself to flow with things. And I know that's easy, easy to say. But this is this is what our practice this is what our practice teaches us to to welcome to welcome whatever presents itself and to make friends with it so that we can learn from it and we can make good clear decisions we can express our compassion And we can be helpful to others. We can be there for others as well. And not isolate ourselves behind this, this brick wall, this armor, that when we're told to be strong is often what we're told we need to do. To just gird our loins, get our act together.